from the Credit Union National Association. This is the CUNA News Podcast. Credit Union people. Credit Union ideas. Welcome to the CUNA News Podcast. I'm Assistant Editor Brock Fritz, and in this episode, we celebrate Black History Month, recognize the legacy of Black leaders, and learn how a Minneapolis credit union formed in the wake of the tragic deaths of Philando Castile and George Floyd. CUNA Senior Editor Ron Jose opens the episode by talking with Deborah Hurston, Dan Johnson, and Andrea Malnow, the founders of Arise Community Credit Union, a new Minneapolis credit union that is still in the chartering process. The founders created Minnesota's first Black-led credit union with the intention of building and sustaining a resilient, financially healthy, and empowered community. Following the Arise conversation, I'll be joined by Howard University Employees Federal Credit Union CEO, David Muse. Muse discusses leading a credit union that serves a historically black university and explains the importance of celebrating the legacy of black leaders. Stay tuned through it all, starting with this look into Arise Community Credit Union. Let's start with introductions. Deborah, do you want to introduce yourself? Tell us who you're with. Yep. I'm Deborah Hurston, and I'm the executive director of the Association for Black Economic Power. And we're the organization that was created by the community to give birth to Minnesota's first Black-led credit union. And Dan Johnson, can you tell us about yourself? Yes. My name is Dan Johnson, and I'm the CEO designee for Arise Community Credit Union. I am a proud Northside resident and have been for over 40 years. And a lot of my work and experience derived from North Minneapolis, from shoveling walks to flipping hamburgers to bagging groceries onto the financial services, running the local branch and getting to know our community from a banking perspective. And Andrea, do you want to tell us a little bit about what you do? Yes. My name is Andrea Malnow. I'm the Vice President of Communications and Engagement for the Minnesota Credit Union Network, the Trade Association for Minnesota Credit Unions. I also serve as the Executive Director of the Minnesota Credit Union Foundation. Deborah, why was Arise Credit Union formed? Arise was formed as a result of historic challenges that the community had been having with financial institutions in general. During the time when a group of dynamic community leaders came together, this was shortly after Philando Castile's Shortly during the time when George Floyd was murdered, these individuals came together in a very, very powerful way to be solution-oriented. And so in addition to addressing the policing injustice, they also wanted to address the economic injustice because the neighborhood that these individuals came from, the neighborhood is riddled with payday lenders. And so a lot of times citizens find themselves in a never ending generational cycle of of debt. And so these citizens decided to come together and produce, create a financial institution that was sensitive to their journey and could offer solutions to moving forward. Why was it important to have a Black-led credit union? Basically because of the, the historic relationship that financial institutions have had with the Black community. And so this 
Black-led credit union, this particular institution will certainly have a strong footprint in North Minneapolis, Minnesota's primary Black community, but it will be open to everyone. It will be an institution that brings pride to the community and is open to absolutely everyone so that when you walk through that door, no matter who you are, no matter your background, you will feel like you're welcome. And so the need for an institution like that was great. And those individuals took up the charge to do it. The support you need to start a credit union, it's, it's so hard to do. It, it's, it's a difficult proposition. How much money have you raised in this process? From the community, part of our outreach to the community was to get them to lend their voice to this initiative. And in lending their voice, we needed them to, to stand up and say that, I intend to support this initiative. And by doing that, they will make a pledge. That pledge from the community is close to $2 million. Right now, actually, it may be over $2 million in community pledges. And so we are ecstatic about that. And then there was an initiative, uh, since we're talking about the dollars and cents of it, I'm going to swing that over to Andrea to talk about that. All right. Thanks, Deborah. So, With the Minnesota Credit Union Foundation, we've been supporting the capital drive to help support funding for Arise. And the credit union community has raised over a million dollars in capital for the credit union. And we've also secured almost $4 million in deposit pledges as well. So yeah, so Minnesota credit unions have really stepped up for this project. So they obviously thought it was important to have a Black-led credit union. What has your experience been like, Deborah, working with the Minnesota credit unions? I would say heartwarming. The word cooperative, we can pass the word around so easily, but with the Minnesota Credit Union Network, what they mean is let's lean into this together. There's no line between me and them. They lean in and they help you with every step of the process. There's a wealth of knowledge with the Minnesota Credit Union Network. And so if you plan to try and build a credit union, if you will, I can't imagine how anyone would do it without leaning on the expertise of the network. They've got experts from every functional area of the credit union, and they were more than willing, are more than willing to lean in in every functional area so that we have a charter application that has been described as exceptional, one of the best we've ever seen. So this is the result of that expertise. Where are you in the process right now? You know, I call this the dance. We have submitted the application, and we were so relieved about that. We've had the organizing group, of course, and now we've received the regulator's first review, and we're addressing those concerns, and we've got another meeting planned with the regulators. And so now we're in the process of just dotting some I's and crossing some, some T's that the regulators would like us to take care of. And you recently brought in Dan. So, Dan, what is your role right now, or what have you been doing in the past several months or since you've come on board? Do you want to talk a little bit about what you've been doing? I'd be happy to. My role has been primarily onboarding. There's a lot of onboarding to do, especially when you're starting a a credit union from ground zero. There's just logistics. 
I've been tasked with finding a location and we're in negotiations about how that will work out as far as what we'll do for rent and the build out and the cost of it. Also as well, just familiarizing myself with the day-to-day operations to come. There will be a lot of things to do. And at this particular time, to borrow a phrase, I'll be the butcher, the baker, and the candlestick maker. So being able to be versatile in all roles and prepping for that is very important. So what I've really done is the same thing as having two ears and one mouth. I've listened twice as much as I've talked, or at least I hope I have, to learn and understand the road that I'm approaching and how to navigate it once we do get the green check to have our charter approved. So what's your day-to-day like? Are you collaborating with other credit unions? I imagine it is just an literally endless checklist for you that it just seems like you would check one thing off and another thing would come up instantaneously. I'm glad that this opportunity came along for me at this period of my life so that I would know how to prioritize things and not be overwhelmed by information being sent at me left and right. I'm on Zoom calls, Google Meets, meeting after meeting after meeting where I've got four different people informing me of tidbits and best practices. They all have eight different things. I can have 26 things on my list of things to do. Uh, However, the interesting thing is, is it's all help to really prepare me so that we can do the best job. And and that's why it's not overwhelming. Sometimes you kind of say, well, that was a lot of line items that I will have to go back and address. But I'm so fortunate to have people like Deb in the way that they bring it in, in, in their collaborative way, as well as the, you know, the communal way that they're, they're very kind. They understand it's a lot of things. And they're not they're not just pushing something on my plate. They're rolling their sleeves up to say, hey, let's figure it out together. So as many as things as I may say have been shot at me and I have to try to sort them out and compartmentalize them, I've had strong support from two great boards. So in a sense, it's it's exciting, more exciting than it is overwhelming. And it's not overwhelming at all, simply because of the process and the way that it's been given. Yeah, it's like raising kids. It's a good stress, you see, because you're seeing progress. It is. Yeah. It's a good stress. Yeah. You see the end result. Right, right. And I've already, I've already been able to pick from the low-hanging fruit that has come from all of the collaboration and all of the assistance and help that I've received. And it, and I also, I would be remiss if I didn't state that they understand as well that this is a first time and that it is a monumental effort that we're all going on, but it's a we feel, not, oh, throw it on Dan and Dan come up with something. So that being the case, I, I'm, I think I'm in the best seat in the best position with the support that I receive. That is good to hear. And Andrea, how has the experience been for Minnesota credit unions? Obviously, they're fully engaged in this and the league is fully engaged in this. Why don't you tell me how, how it is from your perspective? Well, I would echo Deborah's comments. It's been extremely rewarding to work on this initiative. We've kind of witnessed the credit union philosophy 
up close and personal and in action, particularly principle six, that cooperation among cooperatives. I mean, we've had credit unions not only donate funds to the capital drive, but they've assisted in fundraising. They've lent expertise. Uh, We've had credit unions that have donated staff member and staff time to help with project management and compliance. It's been truly remarkable to see Minnesota credit unions and how they've come together to really address disparities in Minnesota. Credit unions, we all know, were, were formed to address economic disparities and to help those that were marginalized. And this has been amazing to see still in, you know, the last few years. It's absolutely been the cooperative movement in action. It's super exciting and very rewarding. Now let's hear from Howard University Employees Federal Credit Union CEO, David Muse. So a little bit about me. I've been around credit union since about 2016. Before then, my career was all with with big banks, Wells Fargo, Capital One, SunTrust, now Truist. But I started my credit union career with the Department of Labor in Washington, D.C. in 2016. From there, I was a CEO at Greenbelt Federal Credit Union. And then and now I'm here at a Howard University Employees Federal Credit Union CEO. And I've been here since July 2021. Okay. So you're relatively new still. What are yeah, kind of yeah. your focuses in your role there right now? Compliance, income, generating income. When I first got here, we had to bring our accounting up to speed because that was in arrears, which I was told about during the interview process. And so I, you know, from from day one, uh, I've had to kind of hit the ground running with bringing accounting up to speed and working closely with my NCUA examiners throughout the process. There was an existing uh, DOR going on. And so my focus has been compliance bringing accounting up to speed and now generating some income. Tell me a little bit about who do you serve? Who's the credit union? What's the community like? That kind of thing. Yeah. And our seg base is Howard University faculty and staff. Also Howard University Hospital staff. And so, you know, right now our seg base includes students. And so we're looking to really put a, you know, target that market of our seg base, the students, and eventually when I guess some of the dust settles, we're in the middle of a move, moving location. So at some point, I'd like to, you know, start to the process of adding alumni to our seg base, uh, which is something that, you know, my examiners and I have discussed and potentially changing the name. So it's been, it's been a project, it's been you know, some immediate high-priority projects that I had to hop on immediate, and then there's some future projects that we that we have in, in our eyesight. Cool, yeah. Could be an interesting few years then. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Obviously, you serve Howard and employees and students. Is there anything else unique that you found about being part of a HBCU or just a university credit union? Well, you know, one, I would say that it's very family oriented and which is nice to part of, very prideful. And and I would say not so unique. You know, when I was at Department of Labor at a credit union, the the staff itself was was at a family act we really took pride in, in helping our members. But what I found here at being on the HBCU campus that, you know, it's a it's a small world as 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 although Again, 
you know, the, the alumni nationwide, worldwide, there are students on campus and, and online, but the faculty, the staff, they've, been, they've all been here, you know, for, for years, for decades. And, and when they leave, they still are part of this community. And it's very, although, again, our seg base is the, the, the faculty and staff, it feels almost like a, you know, more community type of credit use. <laughs> okay, that makes sense. Getting to Black History Month a bit. What does that mean to you? What do you think about when you think about Black History Month? Personally, when I think of Black History Month, it's, you know, it's a, I, I, I feel appreciative and, and grateful that the nation has this month to highlight, you know, the, the, the leaders of the black community, past and present, the, the highlight and, and recognize the contributions to the United States by African-American, past and present. Because although me personally, as an African-American, that doesn't ever go away for me, sure. 365 days a year. But it's good that this particular month of February, it's highlighted, it's, it's mm -hmm. recognized. Those that may not normally on a day-to-day -day think of it, now it's on maybe the forefront of their mind. And, and so that's what it means to me. It's a time to celebrate and honor, honor the, you know, the legacy of our leaders that, that you know, have really paved the way for future generations to, to, to follow. And I feel like it's a reminder of that call to order, if you will, when February rolls around. Just a reminder. <laughs> so does the credit union plan to recognize the month at all, or do you have special things happening for Black History Month or other months like it? So for the month of February, and, and I can't speak on what may have been done in the past, but we will, you know, through our way of recognizing Black, Black History Month, you know, with maybe some, some informational emails going out to members or adding it to our social media is the plan, you know, quotes, just history, you know, Black History facts, things that we want to, you know, just, again, help bring awareness, remind folks of the, the, the leaders of the past, the activists, the, the great African-American inventors and, and, and those contributions. So throughout the month, we will be just at, having a little, you know, a social media presence with, with that in mind. During your career, have we improved at sharing those stories? Personally, I, I haven't seen in my career where I've been, big banks and, and my, my short term with credit union, I would say more so with credit union. Now, there has always been the recognition from, from, from all, all types of corporations when, when the month comes, whether there's been partnering, a sponsorship with different programs from, from again, big banks and, and credit unions. So there's, that's always been there. But on a personal level, the companies that I've worked for, it, it, it never trickled down to, for example, me being mid-level management or tr I felt like it trickled down to as, a, as I was a banker or, you know, a member service rep. But if I seek that information out, I would see, whoa, my company did do some great things this month of February to honor African-Americans, to partner with, with the black community and put money into, you know, 
the, the CRA and, and some of the, the, the communities that, that I'm aware of or predominantly black communities. So I would say to answer your question, yes, but it, as far as my personal career, it hasn't been, but more recently I've seen it. And it's not just with the black community or African-American or Black History Month, a real push for DEI, uh, for diversity, uh, equity, and inclusion across the nation, I've seen a real push. And so that does incorporate or include African-American and Black history. And so I would say here recently, much more so than throughout my entire career. Which I'm very happy about and very, yeah, very proud, proud of. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Very proud of. So you mentioned partnering with the Black community. Not sure if you have this on the top of your mind, but is there anything that your credit union does that kind of sticks out to you as far as like a community partnership or outreach type thing? Well, you know, one of the things that we like to do is always look for, again, providing information, whether that's some financial literacy and not just waiting for financial literacy month, whether that's some mortgage seminars and providing information to, again, members and community uh, our, here, our Howard community for, for new purchases and first time buyers recently just, you know, had a meeting today to add a, n- a new partner or to, to, again, come in and speak and set up a maybe either a lunch and learn or a seminar we're thinking of, again, you know, speak on the importance of home ownership and, and how to, to, get to, to walk them through that process. So, again, one of the things that we we may pick up the amount of seminars or, or information that we provide this particular month, but it's so quite frankly and honestly, it's something that we'd like to do throughout the year. How would you describe your leadership style or what kind of leader do you want to be? I'm a type of guy that I roll up my sleeves and I'm right in there with, with in, in the trenches, if you will, with my staff. Mm-hmm. I mean, we're small, you know, we're 13 mm-hmm. million, it's four of us, including myself, as far as staff. So, I'm right there in, in the midst of things. Work-life balance, I, I think that's important. It's important that, you know, I, I hear my staff understand their needs, what triggers them, or, and, you know, how they like to be recognized. Though I may have the final say-so on a particular topic or the direction we go in, and they, not, they know that because that comes with my title, I do incorporate them with the day-to-day, you know, and the future goals, where I want us to be what my expectations are, but it's a partnership. You know, I lead, I like to lead by example. I will go out and, and make sure I'm greeting my members in the, in the lobby or introducing myself in the lobby and keeping that open door policy. And, and, I, and I do that on one or two things because it's a way I like to coach. It's, you know, I call okay. it show coaching. It's it's easy to sit in my office and have my staff sit across from my desk and say, do it this way. This is what I expect. This is what I want to see. That's the easy way. What I like and what I think hit homes more and what I found in my experience, regardless of what financial institution I was working with or, or for, is it sets in more when a teller or a banker or MSR, you know, whether I'm at a bank or credit union, when they can see me providing that example to them. And when I say, hey, it's important to have a consultative conversation with the member to really understand their immediate needs, their future needs, and some of their unforeseen needs, 
I like to show them or have them sit in occasionally on that conversation so they can hear how it goes. They hear me asking those open-ended questions, really drawing out information from a member. And so that's my style. It's more of a show coaching and partnership within the, the credit union. So that ability to connect has to be one of the better parts about being a smaller credit union. How about on the other side? Are there any particular challenges that you found with being smaller or maybe with the specific credit union? Absolutely. One of the challenges is affordable vendors to, to that we can afford, keep expenses reasonable, but also remain competitive and, and remain relevant and also to, to provide our members with the same services and products that our competitors or the bigger institutions offer because they deserve that as well. And so I don't want the expectation of, oh, we're small. I don't have to worry about not having heat statements. So they're small. So I know they won't have a mobile app that I can apply for a loan from my cell phone. No, they deserve those same services that all the other institutions offer. And so that's a, a challenge, being able to provide those things and remain relevant and competitive, but keeping the expenses reasonable that we can afford. Thanks for listening to the CUNA News Podcast. Subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, and Stitcher Radio. 